Welcome to Season 2 of the Adult Children Voices Across America Speakers Meeting Podcast. You can attend this meeting live on Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Time using the Zoom ID 848-5208-0640, password 061120. For more information about adult children of alcoholics and dysfunctional families, visit adultchildren.org. The following speaker share from Vange was recorded on April 7th, 2022. All right. Well, thank you very much, Phoebe, for your service. And uh, I want to thank my um, my sister Gretchen for inviting me. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, Gretchen, living near Gretchen now, we're both retired, is truly a testament to living the dream of recovery um, and uh, living a life beyond my wildest dreams. And that, um, that is, has happened and is happening because of um, recovery in my life. So, um, just uh, give you a little background. Um, I'm, uh, I was born in New York, both parents, alcoholics, um, of four siblings. Three of us uh, became alcoholic. And um, so it's pervasive. Alcoholism was just pervasive throughout my family line. Uh, on both sides of my family, and and dysfunction. Um, growing up, uh, you know, my father was a uh, military lifer. He was in Korea and Vietnam, and um, so he was never around. And um, the army was his his number one. I mean, there's a saying in the army, if we'd wanted you to have a wife, we would have issued you one. And he kind of lived by that. Um, and my mom was very artistic, sensitive person, had four kids before the age of 28. Uh, and I just, I just don't think she could handle it. I, I, I think it just over time, she she just couldn't she couldn't handle it emotionally, and uh, so she was not present. And she came from alcoholism, of course. So there was a lot of um, abandonment, neglect. She slept a lot, and um, so you know I was. Uh, I will say this, I was lucky because I had Gretchen. She's my older sister. And she was a source of, of security and safety for me. Um, but, you know, as I got older, um, things just kept falling apart. My dad got back from Nam. He was a complete wreck. Um, and... Um, the marriage dissolved, affairs and whatnot, and this and that, drinking, awful fights, terrible fights, and then the, the rigid 
uh, anger and the, the, the stuffed emotions. And um, my mother was a stuffer who would then drink and then rage to release. And that was a pattern that I brought into my world um, as I, uh, you know, came into my teens and 20s and started drinking and using. So, you know, I was taught as a child to stuff everything. And um, confrontation was uh, something to be avoided at all costs because of the level of rage. I never saw like healthy arguing. It was just reactivity and, uh, you know, here's the reactor, the, the raised voice. And that's what I knew. So um, as a child, I isolated, I read, I had my comic books. I was lucky enough to pick up an instrument when I was about 12 years old. and then. Um, we picked up and moved to Europe and uh, because uh, my mother found a, an ounce of pure cocaine in the freezer. And, um, you know, it was just one thing after another um, in Europe. I traveled to India at the age of 15 with my two brothers, nearly got sold into the white slave trade, never, probably never to return home because I was with my brothers. Uh, I think that prevented that from happening, but it was close. And it was, uh, uh, people say, well, why did your mom let you go? She let me go because I wanted to go. And she, she had said when I was 13, well, I'm, I'm pretty much done. You know, you're, you're good. You're good. And we would drink at the tavernas and break plates and aspirato and get, shit faced and, and crawl home and pat. I mean, that was, you know, my life. So at 14, I'm going to India and, um, came back, uh, by the way, Phoebe, I don't see the timer. I'm timing myself, but that just to let you know, I've been looking at it and I thought to myself, did she say I, it or, or is that only when the shares are on? I'm not sure. There's 39 okay. minutes left. Sorry. Only for Thank you very much. No, that's good. I have, uh, I have an idea of that. So um, thank you very much, Julian. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I'm in my teens. I get back from India and um, I'm in London, moved to London. I had to go to school and my dad was going to cut off the money. He was in California with his new wife. And the you know, drinking. And by then now I'm smoking hashish. Um, and I, I ended up getting pregnant when I was uh, 19 years old. I had my daughter and um, then I got pregnant 18 months after that. Uh, no, I'm sorry. I got pregnant pretty soon after that. I'm losing my timeline here a little bit, but my um, my children are 18 months apart and my son was born. I'm in London. Um, I'm living with a, a drug dealer 
and there's the arguing, the reactivity. I was completely unable to have an intimate relationship with anybody at that time. And that carried through into my adult life. So uh, I ended up leaving London with both kids to get away from him because it was just my whole background was being created with my parents, was recreating that whole system. So I came to New York and uh, with the young kids, got a job working and then on and off until I was uh, 38 years old. I, I lived in this world of feeling like a ghost emotionally, um, just stuffing, going from one relationship to the next, completely incapable of being present, emotionally available. Um, and moved up to Connecticut during that time and I worked and drank and used and that whole process of uh of life as an alcoholic drug addict child of dysfunction and so when i was in my 30s i felt continually there's just this deep guilt remorse and shame it was like a shroud i dragged around with me a lot of it had to do with my parenting um, because I couldn't be present. Um, I could be present sometimes. I worked, I did this and that. I just didn't have it in me to be there. And my children suffered. And my mother was very sick at that time um, uh, from lung disease. So I knew she was dying. I was in my, uh, I was 37 years old. I knew she was dying. And um, I got sober and uh, it was the best thing I ever did in my entire life for myself was to surrender that. And in that process, as I became sober, I would have glimmers of understanding working the, working the steps of, of how much I needed to do. And I got into therapy and I, you know, and, and, started working on this process and you know being the onion the more I the more I did the more I realized wow that's this whole area of myself that is it's like a wasteland and um the way where the way it was for me is with uh with my intimate relationships very very hard for me to trust on that deep level of really feeling like this person uh, truly cares uh, because I had, not, I had not seen that or experienced that. So I did not think that existed. In any relationship I've been in in my life, I've had one foot in the car, literally, one foot in the car, and I am checking out everything you're doing. And I, after the honeymoon phase is over, I'm going to start trying to gain control of the situation so that I have the power. And then as that happens, I'm going to start undermining 
you, my lover, supposedly, I'm good, so that I start to look better. This whole very, very screwed up, you know, uh, relational uh, behavior. It, I mean, it started more and more. I started seeing this. And um, I was in denial about it. No, that's not me. I'm, you know, I'm a great catch. Are you kidding me? I'm like, you know, and sort of I would <laughs> kind of fool myself. Um, but over time, I got married. And uh, to someone really honest, uh, not an alcoholic. And uh, that person has been amazing for me because she was the first person who actually held my feet to the proverbial fire of truth she said to me this is this is 14 years sober okay i'm like 52 years old she said this relationship will not last if you cannot be honest about what is going on with the my grown children who are creating havoc and this codependence I had and this behavior and and um, so I hit a bottom. I hit a hard bottom with my um, with my behavior, and I went into therapy. And the beauty of that was I could tell the therapist straight up to her face what I was doing. And that's, you know, that's a testament to recovery. I said, this is what I do. And she's like, well, that's not good. You know, and I'm like, yeah, this is what I do. And very unhealthy behaviors. And they, uh, I know that if I did not, if I was not willing and did not work on these behaviors, I would not be in a relationship right now. Um, this, this is like the, uh, I don't know, I don't know. This is, this is my Everest. This, this work is, is, this is my work in, in my lifetime. I know it because it's so deep. And um, sometimes I haven't even been able to, you know, to, to put it into words, like, why is this still happening to me? Why do I do this? Like undermining date nights and, 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 and being so reactive to my spouse and, and this sense of rightness and all of this patterning. It's like, when, like, what is it gonna fucking take? And it takes what it takes. And I was fortunate enough four years ago, I'd been in Al-Anon, you know, and then CODA. And then I tried ACA years ago. I was like, oh, no, no, this isn't for me because it scared the shit out of me. But <laughs> this time I was like, oh, yes, it got me. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, this is what I have to do. And so... Um, I was able to get into a yellow book study. It was um, two years with the same women and work through those steps. And um, 
that has been wonderful. And then now we are on the laundry list workbook um, on trait 10. And um, I thought now just Julian, does that mean I have 29 minutes left? I'm very sorry. I, I might be mixed up, but I think so. I might have a backwards law. <laughs> I, I have that. I have uh, about 15, 20 minutes left. Okay, so I had it backwards. I'm sorry. That, does that make sense? 20 minutes, 20-ish? So, well, yeah, okay, that's fine. I mean, uh, so what I thought uh, I would do, I gave you all a little bit of history about what um, about what's happened and what's going on. Um, and I thought I'd talk about the uh, laundry list because that's what I'm doing now with, with uh, these women. So I thought I would just read them and just talk like two, three minutes about each one, give my, my reflection on them. Um, and, you know, not the flip side, just that part and kind of give an idea of my process with them a little bit. So one, we became isolated and afraid of people and authority figures. Well, isolating emotionally is, um, was for many, many years my go-to. That's the only place I felt safe. And I used that when I was a child reading, um, um, reading, and then, and then I got into music. And that was also something that I could do that would bring me comfort. And um, now I do more like meditation kind of isolate, like it's not really isolating. I try to like incorporate myself fully in the, in the space I'm in, um, you know, on a daily basis, try to be present with myself and breath work, some yoga, um, just to, to like tap myself, like, here you are, you're here, Vinch, everything's good. You're not a ghost anymore. You know, I remind myself that because I, I, I was a ghost. I was hollow and uh, frightened and empty and sad and scared and very angry. So number two, we became approval seekers and lost our identity in the process. Well, that was the, you know, my relationship go-to. And I became a, um, almost a professional schmoozer. I wish I could have gotten paid for it. I could have retired a lot earlier than I did if I had gotten paid to schmooze because, you know, the whole thing of getting you to like me, that was everything. And I would lie and pretend um, in order to achieve that. And um, the, um, but with my intimate relationship, the approval seeker then would turn into the controller. It was very uh, cunning. And that's the stuff that I work on uh, uh, to, to try to keep, 
keep that behavior. And it is much better, by the way, as I become aware of it, that I don't have to have that approval. Uh, and I can understand when I'm not going to get that approval because my spouse might be preoccupied and it may not be a good time to look for approval. Although if I ask for a hug at any time, I'm going to get one. I have learned that. Um, so that's, that's something that's almost like I've had to learn instead of running like a little puppy or, you know, hello, hello, no, 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 no. It's like, hey, can I have a hug? Like, I don't feel good. And yes, I'm going to get a hug no matter what. Um, so that I have learned that. Now, three, we are frightened by angry people and any personal criticism. And this is a real toughie. This has been a toughie in my relationship. Uh, certainly in my world, it's still very difficult for me to express anger to, to people that, uh, that I don't trust or know. I, I mean, I just, it's very, very difficult for me to do it. Um, it's more important, I found it's more important for me to express anger to those people that I know that are my family, my people. If I'm angry, I don't have to yell and raise my voice. Uh, although that can happen, especially in my spousal relationship, because I'm more reactive and I can be like, rah, 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 rah. And then I'll be like, okay, calm down, walk away, take a moment, and then come back. And I've had to learn that process. But to also understand that learning how to argue is a good tool. Learning how to say, you know, hey, I'm angry about this. And why isn't this? And that's a huge tool for me. And that's been a hard haul for me to learn. And I'm getting better at it. Uh, and the personal criticism, um, I'm still very sensitive uh, with personal criticism. Pretty much. Uh, pretty much all around, but I'm, I'm better at it. I can like understand that, uh, that the criticism isn't saying I'm a bad person. It may be saying like, Hey, you didn't wash this dish, right? You know, there's a huge difference with that. And I had to learn that like this dish is not washed. Right. Doesn't mean, you know, you're a nasty bitch. It just means you didn't take the time because, you know, distraction. So I've learned that too. And that's a process. I'm getting better at that. Um, and then four, we either become alcoholics, marry them, or both, or find another compulsive personality, such as a workaholic, to fulfill our sick abandonment needs. Well, you know, I'm an alcoholic. Um, and the relationship I'm in now is the healthiest relationship I've ever had uh, because of the ability to be honest and present. Um, it's a work in progress. I mean, we still get into it. But the good news is, is that we can get into it. And instead of me holding on to it with one foot in the car, one arm in the suitcase, it's like, well, wait a minute, we just, we got into it. 
And then the next time we're, we're, we see each other, it's like, hey, what's going on? What's doing this? And if we need to discuss it further, we will. But it can move. It can be just, it was, it was a thing that moves, like the wind blew it. And that's been uh, incredibly wonderful for me to be able to do that because um, it's so freeing that I don't have to hold on to leaving. I don't have to fucking always think about leaving. I can be like, oh, I don't have to leave. And that's an amazing feeling. Um, over, uh, I'm sorry, five, we live life from the viewpoint of victims and are attracted by that weakness in our love and friendship relationships. Well, that is something that I've I've uh, been able to work through. Of course, when I was, you know, in um, active addiction, that was my place, victim. That rationalized the drinking, the using, and the and the uh, the behavior. Uh, and i I don't have to uh, I don't have to go to that place anymore. And if I do. Um, I say to myself, well, let's hope that's really temporary, like throw yourself a five minute pity party and then let's move on because I don't want to be in that place. That is for me, that's not a good place for me to be. It's, I want to be in a place of accountability and responsibility in my life and being present with what's going on. And if I'm doing that, I'm not a victim. So six, we have an overdeveloped sense of responsibility and it is easier for us to be concerned with others rather than ourselves. This enables us not to look too closely at our own faults, etc. And this was, um, this played into a lot of my self-worth. Um, and uh the low self-esteem, um, this the big ego in me wanted to take care of, to handle, to do this, to do this. And a lot of some of that was because I didn't want to ask you for anything. I didn't want to ask anyone for anything. So then it was this do, do, do. And then, of course, I would get into that would take me to victim mode because I do everything. So there's that. And then concerned with others. Um, I love that. Then I wouldn't have to look at myself. So now I'm, if I start to get into that mode right away, I reframe and I, I bring it back to myself. I'm like, well, that's not in my business. What's going on over there with them. It's not in my business. Uh, so then I can bring it back to me. Uh, seven, we get guilt feelings when we stand up for ourselves instead of giving into others. And this was me for many, many years. I would get like literally anxious, terrified to stand up for myself. And I still feel like I get that fluttery, you know, talking about it. Um, so, uh, you know, that doesn't happen. Um, that doesn't happen anymore. So, uh, as much, it doesn't happen as much. Eight, we became addicted to excitement or drama. Um, and that was all about 
taking my mind off myself. I didn't want to, I didn't want to look at what was going on with me. So I would focus elsewhere. Nine, we confuse love and pity and tend to love people we can pity and rescue. Um, I would, you know, we were talking about this last week and, you know, pity, I don't know that pity is, for me, it, it is not an expression of love. Uh, compassion would be that feeling of, of caringness. Uh, but I, I don't really confuse them anymore. Uh, I don't, I use that word compassion in my day-to-day -day world. Um, and I don't, I know that I can't rescue anybody. So, and I don't want to pity anybody. I, you know, I want to be compassionate um, and present and mindful with others. So 10, we have stuffed our feelings from our traumatic childhoods and have lost the ability to feel or express our feelings because it hurts too much, denial. So the stuffing, you know, again, it's taken many years to move through that using the steps, uh, meetings, uh, listening to all of you. That's how I've uh, been able to truly feel myself. And it's really shows up in my, in my creativity. You know, I've um, produced some CDs and songs and the, you know, at some point I just started really liking my voice. Uh, and, and from that point on singing just became this really fun thing to do. And that's because of recovery. It's because I had the, you know, the gift of, you know, really taking your courage into me and letting you love me where I could love myself so that I can bring in this light that then kind of moves through me and heals. And then 11, we judge ourselves harshly and have a very low sense of self-esteem. Well, um, I can still think harsh thoughts and, uh, you know, um, I've learned to do, uh, try to do an immediate reframe when I'm starting to think, uh, uh, negative thoughts. I track my thoughts. I've learned right away. Oh, 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 oh wait a minute. What was that thought? Because I'm feeling the shortness of breath. I was like, oh, that thought was, you were just completely undermining yourself you're dissing yourself you're taking your, your you know I'm starting to like you know take myself down and then it's like okay reframe get up move call someone you know um say a prayer whatever it is pick up my guitar walk the dog call my sister whatever it is just move through it and and that helps a lot but I have bad days where I can feel anxious for no reason I have mental illness in my family I am mentally ill uh, in terms of uh, thoughts and energy and chemicals. And I need to be present with that and aware of that. And if I have a bad day, I know it will pass. I tell myself, this will pass. And I might ask my wife for a hug or, or tell a close friend 
or family member, I'm not feeling well. So we are dependent, I'm sorry, 12, we are dependent personalities who are terrified of abandonment and will do anything, <clears throat> will do anything to hold on to a relationship in order not to experience painful abandonment feelings, which we received from living with sick people who were never there emotionally for us. So the, you know, the wonderful thing about the ACA steps is that it's brought me into depending on my relationship with my higher power and, uh, and also my higher self, the connected part of me that's going to be open to the energy that's coming through me. So it's like, uh, uh, it's like the window, keeping the window clean, keeping it open so that the energy can come through. So that's going to help my fears. And uh, when I'm loving and when I'm feeling love, compassion, then I, then I don't feel fear or abandonment. 13, alcoholism is a family disease. We became para-alcoholics and took on the characteristics of that disease, even though we did not pick up the drink. Yes. And the beauty of this is, is that I'm sober. My schizophrenic brother who passed away three years ago was sober. And my other brother, who's also mentally ill, is sober. And my wonderful sister is in a fellowship program. And if that is not a testament to recovery um, and what the miracles that this, that this work can do for us, I don't know what is. There's, I just, it blows my mind that that is the truth. And 14 para-alcoholics are reactors rather than actors. And, you know, I didn't understand what this meant for a long time. Until then, I thought to myself, well, wait a minute, I can be in my own story. My own story. I don't have to be in your story. I don't have to take on your story. Or, or I, you know, and this is my story. So here I am, I'm an actor in my own story and I'm really, really grateful to all of you for being here for me. And um, I thank you for having me and I will keep coming, thanks.